Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of the African Inquisitor. My name is Felix Amosian. In this episode, I will talk about the travel advisories issued by the U.S. and many so-called Western countries on Mali over the past few years. What exactly are the details of the travel advisories and to what extent are they valid? Does a country like the U.S., for example, have the moral right to issue such stupendous and spine-chilling advisory? This is my opinion. Let's delve in. Uh, Mali is a country with a population of about... 22 million that is according to data from 2021 and this country has been at war with the um, rebels especially in the north since 2012 and over over time the conflict has become more intractable and then it's actually spread to different part of the of of the country and it's almost as if every part of the country has experienced some form of um intercommunal violence or some form of um rebel attacks over the past you know 10 years and the different governments have launched different interventions in the conflict and all of that and um, but i think around 2015 the central government of mali managed to um reach a peace agreement with the rebels or uh, a peace agreement that has still been hanging a peace agreement that has not really been fulfilled you know to really solve the kind of problems that they have over here so yes the peace agreement was signed in 2015 but it looks as if it was never followed through and again the the crisis is still ongoing even since the peace agreement there's been several attacks on the hotels um that have killed a lot of civilians a lot of un um, workers here and humanitarian workers in the country have been killed over the past few years and it's actually one of the deadliest places for UN peacekeepers in the world currently according to a bbc um timeline for example in the in the year 20, 2017 about 37 people were killed in a car bomb at a, at a military camp in one of the regions called um gao for example you know so it's the this conflict situation is fragile security is very fragile in this country and it's been going on for a very long time now and what makes the situation worse is that um, the rebels are not just operating from Mali. The rebels are also operating from different um, regions or different um, neighboring countries. You know, and it's so like if you go to Niger, for example, um, the rebels, it's like a transnational network. There's some rebels in Niger who are trying to, you know, come in. So they, they come and they hit in Mali and then they kind of move to um, Algeria, for example, and then in Niger to right next to the border with Niger. This, the country is also bordered by Burkina Faso. And you know, these are all countries that are fighting different rebel groups by themselves, right? So the whole situation in, in, in Mali and the Sahel region is simply fragile. And it's it's very hard to really um, address a conflict like this. You know, it, the conflict has also been characterized by a series of military coups. In 2012, after a series of military uh, mutinies, uh, the president, Amadou Touare, was, was ousted by the military. But subsequently, the military um, returned to civilian civilian government. But that did not also last for quite a long. But in 2020, there was another military coup that occurred in the country 
where the president um ibrahim Keita and then the prime minister Bobosise were all suspended from the government and this also led to a series of sanctions from the economic community of west african state and um at this point in time in 2020 that was when the current um military re- leader right now uh, asimi goita declared himself as a president and then and took over the, the realms of the country but eventually he returned the um the government back to civilians but i think it was just less than less than a year or a year or so after he came back and led another coup uh, asimi goita came back and um launched another successful coup which overthrew um the presidency of uh bandao right and then what well, he took over and then he's been he's been the leader of the country since that time so that gives you a sense of what's going on in the country right now and uh it's 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 still a transition government um i think the government promised elections they promised to to um to conduct elections i think in february of this year 2023 but it never happened and so it also led to a lot of sanctions i mean they are already facing a lot of sanctions from ECOWAS and from the international community so the political situation here is kind of tense at this point in time they're still going through a lot they're still trying to figure out a lot of things so that is the state of the political affairs in this country at this point in time but then something crazy is going on so i think because of all the situations happening in mali right now the u.s government has issued a travel advisory against mali and it's kind of interesting uh if you visit the u.s um i think it's the state department website and if you read your travel advisory on mali it says do not travel to mali due to crime terrorism and kidnapping so the summary is that violent crime such as kidnapping and armed robbery is common in mali violent crime is a particular concern during local holidays and seasonal events in bamako its suburbs and mali's southern regions roadblocks and random police checkpoints are commonplace throughout the country especially at night but <laughs> this is not even the worst part uh if you actually scroll down the u.s government says that uh you know despite all this travel advisory if you still decide to go to mali now listen to this if you still decide to go to mali first of all it says draft a will and designate appropriate insurance beneficiaries and all power of attorney <laughs> this is ridiculous and then the next point goes on by saying that discuss a plan with the loved ones regarding care custody of children pet property belongings non-liquid access funeral wishes etc yes the u.s government is telling you that if you still want to travel to mali make sure that you have a will prepared right or a power of attorney done and then make sure you also <laughs> tell your family your funeral wishes <laughs> this is ridiculous uh the reason why i say is ridiculous is because uh yes mali is going through a lot of things at this point in time the country is really the security situation here is fragile but i'm actually wondering if it is kind of appropriate for the u.s government to issue such a directory um 
Um, <laughs> actually, it doesn't even end there. It doesn't even end there. It, it goes on by saying that you should make sure that you appoint a family member to serve as your point of contact in, tempt, in case of um, uh, hostage takers, media, etc. It also tells you to establish a proof of life protocol with your loved ones so that if you are taken hostage, your loved ones will know specific questions and answers to ask the hostage takers to be sure you are alive and to rule out a hoax. And it also continues by saying that you should leave DNA samples with your medical provider. Okay, so um, technically what the US government is telling you is that if you are still decide to travel to Mali despite all this travel advisory against all forms of travel, then you should prepare for your funeral. They're basically telling you that you are really going to die, more or less. Like the kind of the words you're using here, it's it's crazy. And um, I kind of don't really think it's appropriate. I mean, I have been in Mali for more than two weeks now, and I do not really feel it is as grave as they describe it here. Yes, you can argue that now the political situation is kind of calm, you know, so it's not really as bad as it used to be, which is true to an extent. But still, if that is the case, then why would the government modify the travel advisory? Why would it make it look like it's all hell in Mali? I'm not saying this place is peaceful and everybody goes about their lives normally. No, that's not what I'm saying. Yes, situation is fragile here. The security situation is really fragile, but does it really warrant such a grotesque and scary, you know, travel advisory? I'll tell you what, to be honest, I, I felt safer in, in Mali than when I went to the US. I was more scared for my life going to the US than coming to Mali. Yeah, that is real talk. So, to I, I will come back to that. I will explain that very soon. But yeah, I know it sounds crazy, but it's just, it's exactly how I felt. And let me tell you what, I felt very unsafe in the U.S. because of gun violence, uh, mass shooting here, mass shooting the homicide here, homicide there. That is very unsafe. And yeah, you could also say that maybe it's because I'm very likely to hear more news from the US than I will hear about Mali, which is to an extent true, right? But if you really do the statistics, what you find out is that guns kill more people in the US each year than the number of people who have died. It's, it's a lot. Like each year, for example, in the u.s according to the national safety council in the u.s since 2012 gun related assault death have increased 45 percent and and in 2021 alone 48,830 people died from gun related violence and out of this number 54 percent of them were, were suicides, while 43% were homicides. If you focus on the 43% of 48,830, that is 
20,996, almost 21,000 people killed by homicides with guns, like gun homicides in 2021 alone in the U.S. Now, look at something here. According to uh, a news by africanews.com, and the study says that between 2012 and I think between 2012 and 2022, which is like within 10 years, since 2012, since the crisis started, and as of 2022, about 11,276 civilians had been killed by this um, crisis. And it wasn't, the study did not just um, look at Mali. They look at three Sahelian regions, which was Mali, Niger, and Burkina Faso. Mali, Niger, and Burkina Faso. Mali has a population of around 22 million, and I think Niger also has a population of around 25 million, whereas Burkina Faso is somewhere around 21 million. So this is around like 68 to 70 million, kind of. Yeah, that 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 is the figure. So with all these three countries combined, the study found that since 2012, over the past 10 years, the crisis has killed 11,276 civilians. This is less than the number of homicides in the U.S. within a year. Uh, if you just take 2022 into perspective, just the year 2022 alone, as, as I indicated earlier, over 20,000 people died by homicides, which, which are gun-related. And compared to this, which is like the 10-year figure, it's like 11,276 for three countries. Now, you might say that, well, um, you know, the U.S. population is over 300 million, whereas when you compare all the, with all these three countries, the population only amounts to just about less than 70 million, which is like, I think, four to five times the size of, of, of the U.S. But let's do the, some math here as well. If you do the math, you realize that without even going through the data, you can see that if, right, if you peg the average from 2012 to 2022 to 18,000 per year, and then you multiply the 18,000 by 10 years, then you realize that you are getting around 180,000, right? Which means that since 2012, about 180,000 people have been killed by homicides. And this is gun, I'm talking about gun related homicides compared to when you talk about the three Sahelian regions that were studied, where they only found that for the past 10 years, only about 11,000 people have been killed by this crisis. Therefore, because this study was for 10 years, what you do is that if you divide that by 10, then what you get is 1,127, which means that on average in the, in the U.S., whereas over 180,000 people are killed every year by gun violence or gun-related homicides in the three Sahelian regions of Niger, Mali, and Burkina Faso, 1,127 people died from this uh, whole crisis that is going on in the region. 
And we are talking about the three countries whose combined population is around 70 million. So now let's try to do the ratio here. In the case of the U.S., where 180,000 people die, if you try to do the ratio, that gives you uh, 54 is to 1,000, which which means that for every 1,000 people in the U.S., 54 of them are likely to be killed by homicides with guns, gun-related homicides. Whereas in the three Sahelian regions, it gives you 16 is to 1,000, which is for every 1,000 people, 16 of them are very likely or more than likely to die from the crisis going on in the region. So take that into perspective. 54 people dying from gun-related violence out of every 1,000 people compared to 16 people dying from gun-related violence out of every 1,000 people, right? And yet, neither um, the government of Niger or the government of Mali or the Burkina Faso, neither of them has issued a travel advisory against going to the U.S. Whereas the U.S. has issued travel advisories against these countries, and particularly for Mali, it's a no-go zone. And look at how they describe it. They are telling you that if you really, if you really want to go to these countries, go make sure you have a will, make sure you have an attorney, make sure you establish proof of life protocols. For what? Now, if these countries, or let's say if Mali is that dangerous to warrant a travel advisory, then I think it's only fair that the U.S. issues a travel advisory against itself. Yeah, because it's it's not safe there either. And as I said earlier, I'm not trying to say that Mali is all good, so oh, you can come to Mali. And that's not what I'm saying. No. There's a problem in Mali. There's a crisis in Mali. And yes, the country is going through a lot in terms of security. And the security situation here is really fragile. But the situation in the U.S. is fragile as well. And that is why when I went to the U.S., I was scared as shit. I was scared for my life. Okay? Because it wasn't safe. And especially being... Uh-uh, no, it wasn't. So, this is the problem. But nobody is going to tell the U.S. government to, you know, issue a travel advice. Of course, they ain't going to issue a travel advice against themselves. And yeah, they have the power, so they do what they want. And I mean, to be honest, it's not just the U.S. government that has issued a travel advice against coming to Mali. If you go to the Canadian government website, it's the same thing. It's a no travel. However, the Canadian government does not go into these details to tell you that, okay, go (laughs) find a power power attorney, make sure you have your will. Those details are not in there. But the U.S. actually goes ahead to add these kind of details on its website against traveling to Mali. But since I've been here in Mali, it's 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 okay, okay. And um, yes, maybe my analysis might be limited because I'm just living in Bamako. Um, I haven't been to other um, regions like Kedao, like um, Timbuktu, like Gao, like Mopti. These places, uh, I think, you know. There's a lot going on in over there. These are where mostly the supposed rebels 
that's where they are. And I think it's like, there might be a lot of actions going on over there. I didn't go to those places. And I haven't been to those places, so I cannot say for sure. And yes, you can also make the argument that they just trying to let people, you know, put people on the alert and every, all those kind of things, which is true. I understand. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think they should also alert people when they're going to the U.S. that, you know, okay, <laughs> it will be very funny to see a travel advisory from the U.S. government saying that uh, if you're traveling from, let's say, Mali or if you're traveling from um, Ghana or anywhere in Africa or anywhere in the world coming to the U.S., Make sure you have your will and, you know, make sure you... Those kind of stuff. I am looking forward to that. That would be funny as hell. <laughs> but this is it. This is the power dynamics of international politics. Um, the, the big guys always get away with whatever. And then, you know, the small guys are left to, yeah, suffer on their own. But this is my opinion. I feel safer in Mali than I felt in the u.s it's just my opinion i'm sure a lot of you would will agree as well and if you disagree to that's fine but this is just my opinion so yeah but as i said it's not that rosy here okay uh i mean to one extent you know there's still a lot going on uh, for example if you go and then read the news recently what happened was that one french journalist uh, i think his name was oliver dubois dubois was abducted in 20 um, 2021 in the city of dao by the rebels and i think he was released just this year he's been in in, in rebel custody for almost two years now you know so these are some of the stories right um kidnappings of, of foreign journalists and foreigners it's it's going on yes we, we, it's it's going on I'm not saying there's it's, it's zero. In fact, if you read the story, if you read the story further, it tells you that he was abducted together with um, some Americans, but they've been released. Not everybody who gets detained by the rebels is released. Some of them end up dying. So I see why they will issue such travel advisories. But all I'm saying is that it will also be a good idea to issue one. Uh, travel advisory against the U.S. itself, right? Because a source for the goose is also a source for the gander. I mean, why not? If 16 people dying in a conflict out of every 1,000 warrants a travel advisory against all forms of traveling, then what about 54 people dying out of every 1,000 through homicides? Don't you think it deserves same? I think there's a strong case here. So, yeah. But having said that, if you are still planning on coming to Mali, make sure you you um you follow all the protocols you know that are involved. You don't have to just come and then you know pretend as if there's nothing happening. Of course, you have to be careful. You have to be cautious. Me, for example, I had my own issues. For you know, like when my camera and my ID card were seized because they said that they suspect that I might be reporting for rebels or, you know, I might be doing espionage and those kind of stuff. Yeah. So 
be prepared for stuff like that yes there are police roadblocks as they, they said in the travel advisory you might get stopped by the police and they might ask you questions and the security situation as i said is very volatile but people are still here people are so nice people are still going about their normal businesses everything is going on fine you know so it's like a society within a society we have the normal society on the side and then we also have the, the the conflict aspect on the side so the two are running simultaneously so you you can come in but you have to be very careful and watch out you know but it still doesn't um diffuse the argument that the u.s government must also issue a travel advisory against itself that one still stands but yeah this is it uh for the episode and um thank you all for listening and um, do you really think the U.S. should issue a travel advisory against itself? Well, I think they should. What do you think? Thank you for listening and um, see you again next time.